Is your money working as hard as it could be for your future? A decade ago, Robinhood changed the investment landscape when they pioneered commission-free stock trading. Today, they continue to offer innovative products to help users build a better financial future, like IRAs, ETFs, options for qualified traders, and much more. Take control of your financial future with Robinhood. Download the app or visit Robinhood.com to learn more. That's Robinhood.com. Disclosures. Investing involves risk. Other fees may apply. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIP. PC is a registered broker dealer. Good morning, Brew Daily Show. I am Neil Fryman. And once again, I'm not Toby. <laughs> Today on the program, uh, we'll talk about a surprising finding about Americans' happiness with their jobs. And Taylor Swift and Beyonce go head to head on the race for a billion dollar tour. That's right. We have a great show. In addition to those stories, we're going to talk about the worst corporate job in America and why you might want to drive to get your next Amazon package. Neil, let's ride. Kyle, uh, it's a big day. It is my first shorts pod. Wow, the first shorts pod. Free the kneecap. Free the kneecap. That is actually a huge move. I'm, yeah. still, I'm still in pants. You didn't text me this morning. To, <laughs> I to looked at the weather, and it was going to be 87, and I'm not yeah. wearing pants in 87 degrees. So, well, I, I, Especially I'm in the New York City subway, which is notoriously <laughs> That is 870 degrees, yes. Um, also, it is Friday, and every Friday, uh, Kyle, you're subbing in for Toby, so I don't know if you've done this before, but we do fast week, slow week. Oh, wow. Where no, I ask you whether it was a fast week or a slow week. This was a very fast week. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Um, I was hosting the pod, so there's right. always stuff going on. It's been a lot of fun, and yeah, we made it to Friday, so happy Friday, everyone. Was it a fast or slow week for it was. It's always pretty much a fast week for me. Yeah, time, you, fl- time flies when you're having fun, and I'm right. really enjoying hosting the pod with you and oh, Kelsey. You. Uh, so it's been, it's been you, a great You do joy. live life in the fast lane. <laughs> I do. Yes. Not much sleep. <laughs> well, Neil, I have some breaking news for you, and that is that the worst corporate job in America is actually up for grabs. It is not the bankruptcy lawyer for Bed Bath & Beyond. It is actually the CEO of Twitter. That is right. Elon Musk announced that he will be stepping down as CEO of Twitter to become executive chair, chief technology officer, and head of trolling. Musk is making the move after purchasing Twitter for $44 billion in October, which means he lasted in the CEO role about seven months. Uh, And he said that this move is actually a result of, quote, too much work. Uh, So nice to know he's working hard. Uh, Whoever is selected as the new CEO is going to have a lot of work to do as well. Twitter's revenue has fallen 50% since October as a result of massive decline in advertising. Musk said this in March. And the company's Twitter Blue subscription service plan has also been failing, drawing less than 1% of the user base and removing a whole lot of blue check marks. Neil. Mine included. (laughs) Neil. Is this where you announce you're the next CEO of Twitter? <laughs> well, he said he knows who it is, and it's a woman, and so I'm not going to be the next CEO of Twitter. Who do you think it's going to be? Uh, well, it was kind of fun yesterday. Everyone was floating around names, mostly jokingly, uh, like Shiv Roy, Elizabeth Holmes, Caroline from FTX. <laughs> we, in the newsletter this morning, we posited it would be Shoshana from Girls. I don't know if you watched that show, but she would be a great pick. Great CEO. Great CEO. Uh, the Wall Street Journal did kind of report the reality, unfortunately, which kind of poured cold water on all of those great uh, recommendations. They said that Linda Yaccarino, who's the NBC Universal's head of advertising, is in talks to become the new CEO of Twitter. She is uh, known as the Velvet Hammer because of her tough negotiation skills. Wow. 
So, uh, yeah, she has uh, apparently has really tight, uh, tight relationships with ad agencies and marketers, which is kind of important for Twitter's turnaround. Right. Um, people were pointing to this interview that Yaccarino gave with Musk uh, in Miami Beach in January as, you know, maybe the time that they met and connected. So we'll find out in six weeks whether it's actually going to be here, her, but multiple outlets uh, corroborated the Wall Street Journal story that uh, she was kind of the successor to be. Yeah, if your nickname is the Velvet Hammer, I feel like you that's just like a great fit for the CEO of Twitter. Meanwhile, Tesla stock uh, was up 2% on the news. <laughs> as you know, you mentioned that Musk said he was working too hard and tes Tesla stock has been uh, under pressure while Elon Musk has been, you know, focusing on whatever he's doing at Twitter for the last couple yeah. of months. But he said he never wanted to be CEO of Twitter forever. Right. Well, he did that poll where he asked people, should he stay as CEO? So I guess he listened to the poll. Yeah. So the number one charge for uh, the number one task for Yaccarino or anyone who comes in, uh, as you said, is to stem the, the flow of advertisers out. So of the top 100 advertisers on Twitter before Musk bought the company, 37 spent absolutely nothing in the first quarter this year. And another 24 reduced their average monthly spend on Twitter by more than 80%. Wow. So bringing in a head of advertising actually makes yeah. sense, though bringing in a fictional character <laughs> might make more might sense. make a lot more yeah. sense. Um, but, e but either way, you said it's a tough corporate job because, you know, how much power are you going to actually have? Twitter is a software company, and Elon Musk said he's going to be a head of product. Yeah. So everyone's kind of just saying he's they, they're going to be a puppet to Musk's whims. It doesn't seem like he's someone who would let go of the power easily, to your point. And I just think Twitter is a really hard business. Like, yeah. they've never been a successful business. It's ads are always tough, so it makes sense to bring in someone from ads. But we'll see what happens with the new CEO. SpaceX as a, Elon is not CEO of SpaceX, I think. And uh, so he's shown that he can be... Great point. He can relinquish. All right, let's move on to Peloton, which just cannot catch a break. Uh, the exercise equipment company issued a recall for 2.2 million of its flagship bike products that were sold in the U.S. between 2018 and 2023. The problem is this faulty seat that could come off when you're riding it, which means you could get injured, especially if you go as hard as I do. <laughs> Peloton found 13 reports of injuries, including a fractured wrist, lacerations, and bruises. You don't need to take your bike back into the store, first of all, because they're extremely heavy and hard to move. Uh, but they say you should contact Peloton on its website to get a free seat. Um, shares continued their decline yesterday, fell, falling almost 9% to their lowest level since Peloton IPO'd in 2021. Yeah. Or not 2019, sorry. Uh, I feel like the whole point of biking inside <laughs> on a stationary bike is to avoid injury. Uh, this is the fourth time the company has had yeah. to issue a recall for their product. And they also have raised $550 million in venture capital. So I think that this is a business that is, as you can see with the stock price, faltering a little bit, but I think a little a, bit. I think it is a great product. And I think yeah. that Peloton is probably one of the sexier acquisitions we're going to see in the next 12 months. It could happen. That's been rumored for a while, but uh, there's this new CEO in town, uh, Barry McCarthy, who joined in 2022. And he's like, give me time. Mm. Give me time to turn this thing around. But they have a huge inventory glut. If you remember back in 2020 and 2021, people were literally waiting four to five months to get a Peloton yep. because they couldn't make enough fast enough. They were about to spend a couple hundred million dollars on a factory to produce their own bikes. They scrapped that plan because 
the last thing they need to do now is make more bikes. And they jacked up their media plan, uh, which is $44 a month now from $39 a month. And uh, you know what? Uh, like you said, Peloton is a great product. I think the addressable market is a lot less than we all expected yep. in 2020 and 2021. I mean, just look at Lululemon and Mirror. Remember, Lululemon bought Mirror, which was this. I mean, it's literally a mirror, a mirror that that you that tells takes you you're you working through, out. Yeah, it's kind of another at-home fitness uh, gadget. Yep. And so it spent 500 million dollars on Mirror in June 2020 when we all thought. No one would ever go to gyms again. And it wrote down, it took a $443 million charge related to Mirror last year. So basically that $500 million has, has been wiped out and it's looking to sell Mirror. So it admitted that that acquisition was a complete bust. Yeah, I think Peloton partnering with a company that has a lot of integrated services already in the home and Apple and Amazon would just make a lot of sense. It would make the product not have to be only that product, but kind of fit into, again, a more integrated home. So we will see what happens, but you love Peloton, so I hope it's a great. I hope it like on. I said, it's a great product. Uh, it is just a much smaller company, should be a much smaller company than we all thought. I just want to do a quick gym check in mm. because people are talking a lot about going back to gyms. I wanted to see whether how how gyms were doing post pandemic, whether it's been lower or higher. And actually, visits to fitness locations were up nine percent in February twenty twenty three compared to the same month in twenty twenty. And February yeah. 2020 was before the pandemic happened. So this demise of gyms is completely overblown. Pe more people are going to gyms now more than ever. Kind of interesting. If Peloton can create an in-home sauna, then they will get my business. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I think anyone can create an in-home sauna. It's just really expensive. <laughs> just need a lot of rocks. All right, moving on. Uh, we are officially living in the upside down <laughs> because Americans actually like their jobs. I can't believe it. In a new conference board survey, job satisfaction hit a 36-year high last year. 62% of U.S. workers said they were satisfied with their jobs, uh, an all-time high. For some context, in 2022, it was about 58%. And in, 2020, in 2010, right after the recession, recession, just 42% of U.S. workers said they were satisfied. A little on the methodology of the study, the conference board polled U.S. workers across 26 different categories like commutes, job security, the vibe of your office, whether your coworkers smell. Uh, and they reported, you know, 62 percent said uh, all things were Gucci. Yeah, I think, you know, you started this so aptly when it's breaking news that workers are happy. Yeah. We're probably in a bad spot. But I just want to note, too, one of the interesting parts of the study is men's satisfaction was higher totally. than women's in every component, especially in areas as leave policies, bonus plans, promotions, communication and organizational culture. The big takeaway I had from this is that hybrid work, which we do think will be a kind of permanent change from COVID creates more autonomy, both in the job, you can stay home, maybe you have to like do laundry, so you carve out an yeah. hour on a Thursday to do it. And I think it's allowed people to find a better fit for their actual talents, because mm. now you don't just need a job in New York City, you might be able to do a hybrid job anywhere or a remote job anywhere. So more freedom inside yeah. of the job place and in the current work, and more freedom to find the best fit job for you. So flexible job is is definitely a big thing you can fly you know you have a bachelor party you can fly out thursday night too and do a remote work thing on friday if your job allows are you that. referencing when you didn't invite me to your bachelor party meal <laughs> believe me if, if i ever have a bachelor party you will be invited <laughs> um but it's also this tight labor market right like three point our unemployment rate is 3.4 percent if you do not like your job you can very easily 
leave it and find one that you may that you enjoy more or at least pays better. So there were all these people switching during the pandemic where yep. they're like, okay, they're going to pay me more. They're looking for workers. There's this huge labor shortage. Uh, and so that might be a huge contributor as well. We'll see what happens if they're, you know, the job market has remained very strong despite all of these mass layoffs by tech companies um, in the past few months. So we'll see what happens if there is actually a, a downturn because I, you'd think that job satisfaction would probably go lower if there is a recession. But they've been calling a recession for a very long time and it still hasn't happened. The, the, the last thing I'll say is the age breakdown was also really interesting that 44 percent of adults under 30 said they were. Mm -hmm. happy at work, but 67% of workers 65 and older reported they were extremely or very happy they, at work. They see the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, I don't have to do this that much longer. So, But that breaks down with happiness in general. Have yep. you seen this? That older people are generally just much more happier than we are. Yeah, you have a giant U-curve throughout your life. You're yeah. like extremely happy when you only know Legos, then you have like life, and then you get happy <laughs> as you're retiring. Well, we have that to look forward to, yeah. uh, and we'll get to the next stories after we take a quick break. All right, Neil, let's get into the stock of the week and the dog of the week where we pick a stock that's doing quite well and a stock that maybe isn't. And I want to note up top, I'm a philosophy major, so this is clearly not <laughs> financial advice. I just learned what the term liquidity meant yesterday. Uh, now, I might not know a lot about stocks, but what I do know a lot about, my name is Kyle after all, is energy drinks. So the stock of the week is Celsius. Okay. So let's break this down. Celsius has generated $290 million in revenue for the first quarter, yeah. which is a 95% surge over the past year. The North American market, the North American revenue accounted for 96% of the sales, which is more than double, which more than doubled with a 101% pop. Celsius earnings more than quadrupled to 34.4 million or 40 cents on the share and analysts were actually expecting 20 cents on the share this drink has become a phenomenon uh it's seen the market share in the country's energy drink double so celsius mm -hmm. now owns 7.5 percent of the market however research still hasn't discovered why you need a celsius <laughs> if you're just sending emails all day they say they have a proprietary blend of ingredients that's like not just caffeine but it gets your metabolism going Someone might need to, to fact check that, that. They don't fact check. Energy yeah. companies, <laughs> energy drink companies don't yes. do fact check. And this is so this is also not health advice. It was a great week for Celsius, though. It's a bad week for Fahrenheit. Neil, <laughs> I'm going to say a name I haven't said since eighth grade. Flo Rida. How does he fit into this story? <laughs> Flo Rida. Well, back in January, uh, Celsius had to pay $82 million to Flo Rida. I don't know. Is he a rapper? Is that the best? Yeah, rapper, pop star. So they they had an endorsement contract going on where uh, Flo Rida mark marketed the company from 2014 to 2018. Uh, and so uh, they he sued them for breach of contract. And the funniest part about all of this is that he sued them for $30,000. And they messed up so hard that he was awarded $82 million in the verdict. And then at his press conference, uh, he drank a Celsius as a kind of final F you. Absolute to, power to move by Flo Rida. But yeah, tell me about Celsius. Celsius was up, we said this is a stock of the week. It, it reported great earnings and yep. it's up 23%. Uh, you are firmly embedded in the energy drink market. I think you are 95% monster. <laughs> um, so what, what is Celsius for people who don't know and why is it taking over? Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's sad to admit that I am drink a lot of energy drinks, so um, YouTube commenters, please be kind on me. Um, I think it is an attractive option. It's, like, low in sugar. They've done a great job at branding it, and they have this, like, 
aura around them that it's more than just the caffeine. It is like going to boost your metabolism. Mm -hmm. uh, I do think a major trend in drinks in general is no sugar or low sugar alternatives. We're seeing it with Gatorade. Uh, we're seeing it with like, I mean, Diet Coke has always been a staple, Coke Zero. So I think they're playing into that. They have a great branding. Um, and I continue, I expect their market share to continue to increase. Yeah. So Celsius is is one to watch. I want to get into the dog of the week, uh, which is a stock that didn't do well. I'm talking about Sonos. Mm. Sonos makes high-end speakers, and that is just not what people are buying right now. Its stock lost more than a fifth of its value this week, so down more than 20% after reported earnings. Uh, its sales for its speaker business plunged 24% in the first quarter, and the CEO said it's not going to get any better. Its sales guidance lowered uh, for the remainder of the year. Very similar story to Peloton, where everyone and the mat uh, you weren't here when we talked about the mattress companies earlier this week, but yep. they surged during the pandemic when everyone was upgrading their homes and no one was doing anything else. Uh, but now everyone has, you know, a great speaker lineup. They've got their Peloton already. They've got their uh, mattress and y they're just spending more on experiences rather than goods. So Sonos is seeing this uh, drawdown in sales and there's not really a clear growth path for for Sonos right now. So investors are kind of sour on it. And this is another company that I've heard acquisition rumors around as well mm -hmm. or partnerships with um some kind of cool tech companies. Let's move on to Amazon. And throughout Amazon's history, I think it's made us ask important questions, Neil. Will people buy books online? Will people be comfortable with Alexa and voice AI in their homes? And now their most recent question is, is $10 enough to make anyone go to Kohl's? What do I mean by this? Amazon is offering U.S. customers $10 to pick up orders that cost 25 or more at pickup points like Amazon Fresh, Whole Foods, or Kohl's. Amazon has said that this is not a promote like a big promotion. It's not a co co cost-cutting service. It really is just there to increase knowledge of these single access right. points because the more people that pick up from there, the lower cost it is right. for Amazon to ship. So they want to make them quite popular. Amazon has also hiked the price of its annual Prime subscription that includes free shipping benef benefits by $20 to yeah. 139 So this is really interesting on the shipping side of the equation. It is also interesting on the return side of the equation. Uh, they've started charging some customers $1 if they uh, return a package to a U, uh, UPS store um, rather than an Amazon pickup that is closer to their location. And this is actually not uncommon. The post-purchase logistics company Narvar found that f found a forty-one percent charge. Forty-one percent charge some kind of return shipping fee, which is up from thirty-three percent in twenty twenty-one. Seems like the days of cheap shipping and free returns might be over. <laughs> what a world we live in! Right, that you have to pick up your delivery. Yeah, <laughs> you don't. <laughs> what have is to, this? But you can. The nineteen nineties. <laughs> But it is funny how I, I think it's very similar to what we were talking about in the streaming wars yesterday, that all these companies were racing for growth and lowering prices and trying to acquire users at the expense of profits. Now they're pulling back and focusing on profitability and not so much growth. Same thing. I think we're seeing what happened with Amazon, as you described, and other yep. delivery companies where it's like, OK, time for us to make some some money here because yep. we are subsidizing all of this on these online shopping, delivering it to you, to your doorstep. We're going to process all your returns for free. I mean, this has been an amazing subsidy for customers and it's spurred a lot of, you know, sales for the, these companies too, but their investors want profitability right now. And this is 
delivery is so expensive. And imagine if you're in a rural area where a driver has to drive, you know, deliver a package and then drive three miles along a dirt road to deliver one pack, another package. That is a lot of expense and you're not gaining that much from it. So if you can say, hey, all of you in this town in Minnesota, can you just, I don't know why I randomly picked Minnesota. That's a random place. Shots fired at Minnesota, Neil. Um, <laughs> It is. It's a really interesting element, and I think the return stuff is so fascinating, too, because I've heard of some companies where if you want a refund to return it, they just say, keep it, huh. because it's more expensive for us to figure out the get it back, re-catalog it, re, yeah. uh, restore it, and so they just let you keep it. All right. Uh, I want to, I've been itching to talk about this story for the entire show. So if, okay. I, if I've been rushing a little bit, either it's the shorts or I just really want to get to this story. Uh, but this week in Sweden, I don't know if you saw, Beyonce kicked off her Renaissance tour, joining Taylor Swift on the road, who's in the middle of her Eras tour. So now we have the two queens of pop, both on their mega stadium tours simultaneously. The question everyone is asking is, will either of them hit $1 billion on their tour? I'll give you the tail of the tape here, okay? Yeah, break it down. Taylor Swift, 52 stops, and is estimated to bring in 500 to 600 million. But as of now, her tour is only in the United States. Uh, she could announce some overseas stops, which she, she has been weaker at than Beyonce. Um, but depending on how many uh, tours she, or tour dates she announced in Europe or anywhere else, could get up to that 1 billion mark. Meanwhile, Beyonce definitely going international. She has 57 stops on her tour. Uh, this investor, Peter Cohen, was writing in Forbes, did some math and said that on the high end of the range, this is a very high end estimate, obviously, but Beyonce could bring in 2.1 billion and the low end Unreal. was also 300 million. So it's, it's quite a wide range. Do you think either of them can break a billion? I think it's never a good idea to bet against Taylor Swift or Beyonce. Like these are two incredible business people and honestly icons. And this, the tour stuff is so fascinating because it's not just the tour, but it's the merchandise totally. as well. And they talk about having uh, Taylor Swift particularly has a really extensive merchandising strategy. People lining up for hours to get limited edition concert merch at the shows. And this is how artists have to make their money now. Yeah. It's not going to be selling albums necessarily or making a lot of money from Spotify streams. It's going on these mega tours and selling merchandise direct to consumers. Speaking of merchandise, I mean, th there's this one estimate that Taylor Swift could sell 30,000 pieces, pieces of merch per show, okay, with an, average with an average price per item of $80. So that's $2.4 million per night just in merch, 70% of which goes to Taylor Swift. Yeah. And so, yeah, you were mentioning, so <laughs> I just want to throw it out there because that is a crazy number. Yeah. Um, but also, yeah, our artists need to go on tour to make money. And they are this year. They're saying could be the biggest live music year ever because it's not just Taylor Swift and Beyonce. It's Bruce. It's The Weeknd. It's Coldplay. It's Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's Drake. It's Madonna. It's Pink. Wow. And these are acts, the big thing here is these are acts that don't just fill NHL and NBA stadiums. These are acts that can fill football stadiums. Yeah. So if you can get a football stadium of people to come to your show and do a couple dozen shows, um, then you will make a zillion dollars or maybe a billion in the case of right. uh, Beyonce and Taylor Swift. should yeah. mention before we go that no artist has ever topped $1 billion. So the, the current record holder is... Mr. Elton John. Oh, wow. Yes. So his farewell tour, the Yellow Brick Road tour, uh, has made $800 million so far. And then right after that is Ed Sheeran, who brought in $776 million. So either Taylor Swift or uh, 
Beyonce will have um, to bring down the boys. I, I think my dad is probably a hundred million of that Elton John. Series, oh yeah, because he is the biggest Elton John fan. And, and Neil, I think it is a shame that you didn't mention that your shorts are Beyonce shorts. <laughs> I well, I, I wasn't going to bring that up to to offend any Taylor Swift people, but now that you mentioned, yes, they are. Uh, that is the show for you. We got a uh, big weekend coming up with yeah. more NBA and uh, and Mother's Day. Yes. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day to Dory Hagee and all Happy Mother's Day there. to Ellen Fryman. Um, we'll uh, talk on the phone probably later today. <laughs> love it. Uh, we love to hear from you, so be sure to email us at morningbrewdaily at morningbrew.com with all of your comments, questions, NBA team comparisons, uh, and a big thanks to everyone who made this show possible. Uh, the producer and editor is Emily Milliron. Our technical director is Uchenna Waogu. Samantha Velas and Raymond Liu are the associate producers. Billy Menino is on audio. Hair and makeup was recalled over a faulty air hair dryer. Devin Emery is our chief content officer, and our show is a production of Morning Brew. Have a great weekend. Have everyone. a good weekend. Happy Mother's Day.